Welcome to More of That Presents Discographology, the podcast where a Springfield, Missouri band dives deep into a band's catalog, one album at a time. I am Matt. I play guitar. I'm Josh on bass. I'm Logan on guitar. I'm Blake, and I play the drums. And we are More of That. Welcome to Discographology, the podcast where if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. We are your gracious hosts, more of that. My name is Logan, and if you're just tuning in, we are beginning our deep dive into my personal pick at the drive-in and their discography. Uh, Before we get started, let's briefly discuss our relationship to at the drive-in. Josh, would you like to lead us off? How did you first hear of at the drive-in? Sure. So my first experience with at the drive-in was... A little program that some of us may remember from school, if you went to school in the late 90s, early 2000s, called Channel One News. So if you remember Channel oh. One, am I the only one yeah. that remembers this? It was like a, a I, teen oh, most definitely. news no? program that got... Oh yeah, we had it. It was like a free thing and some schools played it and some schools didn't. It actually was still around when I started teaching and I could play it. But anyway... um. On one of those, they used to show like music sometimes, and I remember seeing the one arm scissor, uh, like a, a snippet Whoa. of one arm scissor on Channel One, and being intrigued enough by it that I believe uh, a couple years later, when the Kazaz and Napsters and all that was going on, I downloaded One Arm Scissor, and that was the song I had for a long time, and then finally got around to purchasing Relationship of Command, that album that One Arm Scissor is on, as well as uh, This Station is Non-Operational, which is the best of. So those were the two I owned. As far as the album we're discussing today and the EPs and everything like that, I had never heard any of these songs before. (laughs) Um, All I had heard was Relationship of Command and This Station is Non-Operational, which does have a version of one of the tracks that's on one of these albums, but not the exact same version. Right. Um, But that was my experience with, 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 uh, at the drive-in. I'm kind of right there with you, Josh, Uh, even, even less. So Uh, I was familiar with one arm scissor. You probably uh, played it for me at some point, Josh. Um, My other early exposure to um, not even necessarily hearing their music, but just, you know, being uh, have heard of, but not heard um, of at the drive-in is um, old band friends of ours. The Adrian Fortress, uh, now defunct, uh, had a saying that was uh, instead of WWJD, it was WWATDID. What would at the drive-in do as kind of a uh, <laughs> a lodestone for for them when when they were making their record? Um, so have heard one arm scissor and knew that bands that I liked liked at the drive-in, but uh, but had also not heard any of this uh, of this earlier stuff uh, before, and and was was uh, it, it was good to get my get my teeth into it. I, I must have. Uh, miss school that day that they played <laughs> at the drive-in on channel one <laughs> i had no idea that they did that sort of thing um but my r- past relationship with at the drive-in is almost nil um i knew them because um what was it 2003 or 4 when all of my friends started getting really into the mars volta's first album i did too and i listened to it about three thousand times 
and a friend of mine uh was like oh you they some of the guys had this band uh before the mars volta called at the drive-in i got relationship of command um that's the only album of theirs i had ever heard so yeah uh like josh uh and and matt all this stuff was mostly new to me um relationship wise with the band it's interesting that that matt brings up local legends um adrian fortress because my my first thoughts um listening to this stuff is is, was just kind of a nostalgic wave for bands i would see locally that were sounded like this and now i'm realizing because they were so heavily influenced by this band um it just it it gave me a lot of nostalgic vibes for um for seeing this type of band in in the early aughts, I, I feel like I I went to a, a thousand shows like this. Maybe the musicianship wasn't quite on this level, but um, that's that's about the closest I got to it. But yeah, mostly new stuff to me. Very cool. Well, I remember on my 18th birthday, my good buddy Aaron he brought over the Via EP. He had been hanging out with some friends from college. That funny, you guys should mention were in the Adrian Fortress. <laughs> so I knew that this was probably some influence from them. That, um, But he was flipping out about them, I remember. And I remember being very distracted and not paying attention like I, sh- I should have been. But I remember digging it. However, it wouldn't be until I heard the single one Arm Scissor that that contagion would take hold on me. I remember seeing the video all over MTV2 and just being totally pumped every time I saw it. I went out and bought the newly released album Relationship of Command, and I was just blown away. Most of my you know, angry teen years were spent listening to Smashing Pumpkins, Weezer, and a lot of bad new metal. So this, with a few other bands and albums, were a total turning point for me. But uh, how did you guys end up listening to this? I so I listened to the EPs on YouTube, which I believe we mentioned in the uh, pregame uh, how to how to access those. Um, so I listened to those on YouTube, and then on Spotify, I listened to the album Acrobatic Tenement because uh, I, I use Spotify. Uh, the Spotify does not have the EPs on there, so that is how I listened to it, and mostly just with earbuds and that kind of thing, or when I was working at school. Um, I would have it on in between that kind of thing. Yeah, same. Um, YouTube music all the way, uh, and uh, and earbuds. You know, working on a stack of computers. Yeah, as we were joking about, I wish I could say I had I had like a vinyl of this that I could have gone to, but um, this time I had to do Apple Music for Acrobatic Tenement. Um, crammed in as many listens as I could in my car. Um, on on the studio monitors at home and in my new AirPods that my wife um, got me as a birthday present. Man, uh, you guys always have anniversaries good. and birthdays and and holidays yeah. and it all happened. You guys are this time of year. That's awesome. It's it's anniversary, birthday, Christmas. It's all happening really fast this time of year. Man, but yeah, the AirPods are a good listen. Yeah. Uh, studio monitor sounded great. The the EPs I had to listen to off YouTube, of course, just in my car and stuff. No, that's exactly how I mainly listen to it, through AirPods, uh, on YouTube Music. I did try to get a hold of a vinyl copy of Acrobatic Tenement, but 
it just I wasn't going to be able to pull the trigger or get it in time. So I I might track that down at another point. But right now it's it's kind of pricey. Is it expensive? Uh, yeah, it's around yeah. it's it's about a, over 120 bucks, and I don't really okay. want to. You know, we'll we'll get more into how I feel about acrobatic tenement in the EP. I, I'm sorry, in the <laughs> in the episode, but uh, yeah, yeah. So, uh, all right. Well, uh, with everything said there, I think this is a good point to get into the history. So let's let's get started. Today we will be doing things a little differently. At the drive-in only has four proper albums, but five EPs. For the first episode, I'd like to briefly cover the first two EPs. 94's El Paso, and 95's Alfaro Vive Carajo. The majority of the episode will be devoted to their debut, Acrobatic Tenement. Before we get started, I'd like to give a shout-out to all the following sources that I used. YouTuber Chief Mojo Bear, Podcast The Trap Set with Joe Wong, Mike Duranco on AllMusic.com, Ian Gormley on Exclaim.ca, Discogs, Bill Lowry and Let's Get Real, and thegreatrockbible.com. Thank you so much. We appreciate the help. Without further ado, this station is now operational. <laughs> After covering our last two bands, Haim and Nirvana, I knew I wanted a band that didn't initially find success at the beginning of their career. I wanted a group that was hungry to rock, a DIY band that had to fight to become heard. More importantly, I wanted a band that was nothing short of exhilarating. Once my parameters were set, I realized the direction my pick was heading, and I was being led to Southwest Texas where I'd find a thriving local music scene being led by El Paso's own At The Drive-In. While many sources say 1993, others suggest that At The Drive-In was formed by Cedric Bixer Savala and Jim Ward in 1994. I believe it to be 93. From an early age, Cedric Bixler was always a ham. He loved performing, song and dance was common when he went to family functions and parties. He'd go on to cite Kiss's 1978 film, Phantom of the Park, as a major influence on him wanting to become a rock star. He begins listening to his dad's cassettes of Chuck Berry, The Stones, and Freddie Fender as a kid. As a teen, he was listening to Dead Kennedys, Slayer, and Motley Crue. Drumming, bass, and vocals seemed to be his passion. Cedric claims his hero to be the Elephant Man, feeling that his loneliness and isolation were identifiable in a way. However, his loneliness would soon be over. Before dropping out of high school, Cedric joins a bunch of bands such as Phantasmagoria with his brother. He forms FOSS with future U.S. Congressman Beto O'Rourke, sings and plays drums for Los Dregtones, a reggae salsa group, and plays bass in Three Blind Bats. Other local favorites include Startled Calf, a rowdy punk band including his very close friend and future at the drive-in member Omar Rodriguez Lopez. In the fall on deaf ears with friends Laura Beard and Sarah Reiser, Cedric drums. Despite El Paso being 10 hours from Austin and another six to Phoenix, it seems to thrive with a multitude of local bands, mostly sharing members of other groups. Cedric, of course, is in the middle of all this. 
He spends the summers touring and booking his own shows using the maximum rock and roll published zine, Book Your Own Fucking Life. This provided contact info for places to play, eat, and sleep, or to kind souls willing to help an underground band. Cedric is now around 19. When he met 17-year-old Jim Ward, a self-taught pianist and guitar player, they unknowingly would be embarking on quite the journey ahead together as at the drive-in. Cedric felt drawn to Jim because of his strong work ethic and commitment to the band. After a few shows at local El Paso haunts like The Attic, Alejandro's, and a show at the Loretto High School Fair, the band landed a spot on local cable access evangelical show Let's Get Real with Bill Lowry, 1994. This is a particularly hilarious artifact of a very young band cutting up on a local TV show while Bill tries to get real with them. At this time, the band lineup was Cedric on vocals, Jim on guitar and vocals, Jarrett Wren on guitar, Kenny Hopper on bass, Bernie Rinkin on drums. At the drive-in. We have at the drive-in with us. They kind of describe themselves as grunge polka, a grunge polka group. <laughs> Uh, so I'm sure this will just whet your appetite. We are back here live in the studios of Channel 65. We're glad to have you tuned in. And, uh, uh young man, please okay. sit down over there and stay away from the camera. Yes. What about the one guy that rocked there and right out and shot himself in the head with a shotgun? Yeah, he huh? went out like a king. Oh, he went out like a fool. He died like a fool dies. Oh, Come on, I mean, hey, let's fa let's get real here. He was unhappy. He had everything. He was the king of the grunge rockers there, wasn't he? But he didn't want to be there. Come on, what do you mean he didn't want to be? If you're put on a pedestal on a flower that's going to crumble, why even be put on there? Well, so then, so then the main thing here is he was shooting for was to be offensive to all people and to be disliked by all people but instead his quest to be disliked by everybody everybody started liking the dude and he couldn't handle that he was the kind of kid that grew up and was picked on at school you know he was the dude the outsider yeah and all of a sudden his music made him big and all of a sudden dorks that would you know pick on him in high school or singing the words to his songs how would you feel you know so of course he's gonna like hate the world because well why would he hate the world i mean if he uh achieves some a semblance of success and recognition why would that be such a turnoff to him that he'd have to blow his brains out i personally like to go shop at kmart without somebody coming up to me asking me for my autograph let's see but then why get in the band why play i mean it, obviously no 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 come on let's get real obviously you guys are extroverts you like to be seen you, you want to be on a show and you and the way you dance and jump and that's not uh you know i've worked with a lot of jim ward decides to go all in on the dream and takes his college savings to start western breed records a label that would release the band's first couple of EPs. The first, 94's El Paso, is recorded at Rosewood Studio in El Paso and engineered by Mike Major, who also engineered for Foss and later Sparta. They released a 7-inch that would be later reissued in 95 and 2000 through Off Time Records. The recording included three songs. One, Grand Mox Turkin, a play on Star Wars character Grand Moff Tarkin. Two, Red Planet. Three, Emptiness is a Mule. After release, the band set out on a 2,000-mile trek across Texas. 
El Paso would be the only release to feature Bernie Rankin before his suicide in early 1995. With no intention of slowing down, the band went on to release another 7-inch in June of 95 called Alfaro Vive Carajo, or Alfaro Lives, Damn It! The title takes its inspiration from Eloy Alfaro Popular Armed Forces, a clandestine left-wing group in Ecuador. Davy Simmons comes on board for drums, and Mike Major returns to engineer and once again record at Rosewood Studios. Cedric's bandmates from the fall on deaf ears, Laura Beard and Sarah Reiser, lend some backup vocals on the song Ludvico Drive-In. Remember them for the next episode. The five-song EP includes Bradley Smith, Instigate the Roll, Ludvico Drive-In, Circuit Scene, and Plastic Memories. You know, there are musicians that are, I mean, extremely skilled and talented and will just like a Chet Atkins. I don't know if you know Chet Atkins. He can play anything. I'll guarantee he can play grunge. He can play uh, all. He does. He's covered all the Beatles music, the Lynn's music, everything else. But he'll just sit down and just like tear the neck off of a guitar. <laughs> Why did you decide to drop out before graduating? Because the system was messing with me. Okay. What have you done since then? Music. Music. Complete music. Music. So you're in a band right now? Yes. yes. We have started our own independent music label company. We have released a 7-inch, and we've played dozens of shows, and I've been arrested by the police. Do you find the administration teachers are against you in any way? Yes, yes. It, all, all it is in school is your appearance. If you're black, you look down on sometimes. If you're Mexican, you look down on. If you got green hair, you look down on. If you don't wash your hair, you look down on. If you're a cholo, you look down on. So it's all fucked up either way if you try to follow that line. You just kind of get crooked somewhere no matter what. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, even the horses are liking that one. And we got uh, Jim. Uh, a lot of energy going out there, Jim. A lot of energy. Thanks. And uh, we appreciate you guys coming down. Uh, <laughs> takes you a while to get calmed down. Now, you guys, what's your attitude towards drugs? I don't like pro-drug bands because I think that they, it's a lack of intelligence to just think about one thing. Yeah. But at the same time, most musicians do drugs. I don't have a problem with it as long as it doesn't hurt other people, really. No, it does hurt other people, though, doesn't it, in the long run? I mean, if you well, really that's, that's think That's an opinion that I don't really... Um, talk about. I could say my opinion make you mad, or I could just keep. Well, it everybody's got to stand for something, or you fall for anything, as uh, some wise man I'll fall said. For any, anything. You'll fall for anything. Now, isn't that kind of a desperate? Yeah. <laughs> ah, yes. <laughs> And, you know, it is a proven fact that life experience tells us sooner or later everybody dies. So far. Uh, yes, got a little rise there from... Uh, did I get an amen over there? Amen! Yes. I feel like this time period was not unlike the experiences of many local bands, playing shows to virtually no one. While most newcomers would give up after being discouraged night after night, or just plain broke, at the drive-in persisted. They were getting paid barely enough to make it to the next stop. These were kids, still in or right out of high school. This was mostly their full-time job, and they had to eat. 
Between tours, they'd wait tables for a little bit just to quit after they made enough money so they could go back out on the road. They started out touring in the summer months, but were eager to test their luck and the roads of the off-season. They'd keep going back to these places and would slowly start to see their attendance grow. Jim and Cedric were determined to make it happen, but it wouldn't be until a show in L.A. to a near-empty crowd would they learn that the nine people in attendance were from Flipside Records. They apparently loved their energetic performance so much that they signed them on the spot and would go on to release their debut full-length album, Acrobatic Tenement. All right, so what do you guys think about El Paso and Alfaro Vive Carajo? All right, well, first off, by the way, that was very good, Logan. Um, I just want to commend you on that little thing. Oh, thank you. You can edit this out yeah. if you want to. <laughs> it does it. It's good. It was very no. entertaining. Um, so Chet Atkins is the best grunting master. <laughs> Chet Atkins, yeah. By the way, I did have this thing of like seeing the the idea of seeing Chet Atkins though play and at the drive-in would be pretty pretty <laughs> fucking sweet. Um, and it did make me yeah. think that uh, apparently this began the long history. And you may, I might be jumping into something you're going to mention in a couple episodes, but the history of at the drive-in having um, combative relationships with talk show hosts because famously after mm. they did one arm scissor on David Letterman, he came up to them and told them not to quit their day job. So, yeah, they are well liked. <laughs> he had him back, um, though, didn't he? I think he had him back. I don't, did he? Maybe Mars Volta. He, he likes to oh, joke. Oh, yeah, true. Um, so, uh, Hell Paso, the first thing that kind of, I kind of thought when I was listening to it was the, the image that's on YouTube of the cover of it and everything made me think that for sure this looked like something I would have bought at like a show back in the day. Uh, I don't know. It just had a very local music yeah. kind of vibe. Like I could see someone I know putting out an EP like this um, with, you know, three tracks and listening to those three tracks, there is kind of a roughness to them. Uh, the one thing that really jumped out to me is the vocals. And I think this is sort of a, something that's going to be present throughout a lot of my comments, probably about at the drive and at least in this first episode, which is how unique and interesting the vocals are on all of their stuff. And this especially holds true for this first EP where I think that that's probably the most compelling thing about it is the vocals. And interestingly enough, they kind of remind me of Slater Kinney. I don't know if anybody else got a Slater Kinney vibe on the vocals for this one. Um, but especially mm. on the end of emptiness is a mule. There was a very uh, distinct kind of similarity there to the Slater Kinney, Carrie Brownstein, um, Corin Tucker kind of, dual vocal thing that they do on, on their stuff. And I don't know. I don't know if anybody else felt that way. Um, other than the vocals, Hell Paso to me was a pretty straightforward kind of emo punk record. Uh, my least favorite was the middle song. I, I, I enjoyed emptiness as a mule, probably the best. The second EP, I think right off the bat, um, Alfaro Viva Carajo. Did I say that right? By the way? Yeah, I think so. I feel like as soon as I started it, I could be like, okay, this band is way more confident. Like that confidence just immediately hits me. And then even more so on Acrobatic Tenement, I feel like it's another step up in terms of confidence. On that EP, I really like Plastic Memories. And especially the the ending that we've all become what we most dislike. That's a very at-the-drive-in kind of lyric. It wasn't till later I realized uh, it's Picket Fence Cartel, right? 
the right. song Picket Fence Cartel, is, <laughs> which I've heard that song because I think it's on the the best of, and it has a similar hook. Um, I haven't listened to Picket Fence Cartel because I've been trying to stay in this world of At The Drive-In, but... Right. I think it's on our our next EP, the El Gran Orgo EP. Yes. Um, Yeah. I saw that, but that was the one that grabbed me the most, and it makes sense because I think I probably heard it at some point before. But I, I do feel like this one was a step up in terms of confidence. I would say as far as going back to either of these, I'd probably go back to Emptiness as a Mule and Plastic Memories, but I don't know about any of the other tracks necessarily. That, that None of the others really grabbed me. But yeah, that was my feelings. Uh, Matt? I, I liked them both. Um, you know, you, you can definitely get that, that local vibe, uh, especially out of El Paso. Um, I, I also really like the art. Um, you know, it's it's very of of a time uh and and um you know it looks the part for for what it is um what say what the art is can you to remind me and to tell the listener it's it's uh kind of a black and white um of yeah two uh two kind of bedressed shoed uh <laughs> yeah b- wing tipped shoes um you know walking in uh-huh. motion and it's got at the drive in uh in courier type font at the top yep, and then yep. kind of a kind of a neat script font that i'm i'm it, sure i've seen the script font before i just can't quite place it it uh, definitely looks like something it looks like something you could have made on a computer at the time and purposely made it so you could make copies of on a copier at Kinko's, Absolutely. which gives it yeah. even more a of that, that, yeah. that local music kind of vibe. For sure. Uh, but um, for, for what it is, uh, it looks like, um, uh, according to the Internet, uh, El Paso, at least, was, was just live to two track, which, you know, for yeah. music as as kind of even even this early on complex and and. Um, nuanced is you know is a testament to their their abilities as musicians um i think i i definitely liked the second ep more uh unfortunately it was one that i listened to fewer times uh josh you mentioned that that outro track uh it sounds like uh plastic memories you're saying that that goes on to be a different track on the um greatest hits well i don't well, Logan probably knows more about it than I. I, I don't know. Is it a different track altogether, or is it, it... becomes Picket Fence Cartel on El okay. Gran Orgo EP? And we'll yeah, we'll hear that next episode. We were talking uh, influences. Um, you know, obviously there's there's some some Fugazi influence in that yes. uh, that vocal style, but um, one of the tracks on. Uh, Alfaro Vivia Carajo, uh, I get a big uh, 80s REM vibe out of, mm. um, you know, the, it's it's got that kind of uh, that jangle shimmer uh, in, in one area. And, and and I feel like both the early uh, both of the EPs are are almost they haven't turned the dial as far up as they will on the the freneticism and the tempo changes and the and the weird time signatures and 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 it's kind of it's it's interesting to kind of see them progress from from one to the other because it's they definitely improve with with each release yeah i agree that there are you you hear incremental improvements from el paso to uh avare vive 
to Acrobatic Tenement, um, which, you know, is to be expected. They are growing as a band, um, and they're also getting to work with better equipment each time. Um, Hell Paso, yeah, it, as as Matt and Josh were talking about with, with the art and everything, once again, uh, my first impression is it's making me nostalgic for every lo-fi recording, every little EP uh, CD and a sleeve that I bought of local bands or touring bands yes. in the early aughts. Right? <laughs> yes. Absolutely. And I love it all. And it's, I can see it in that little stupid sleeve, <laughs> this yep. cheap-ass CDR, whatever, that a touring band is hawking out of a suitcase. And this EP... And all, most of what they're doing here and what we're talking about today sounds so similar to how we all wanted to sound in 2003. <laughs> like, they are better musicians, I think, slightly than we were. But this is how everybody, I think, was trying to sound, at least in our scene and that time. And this, they were doing this, and we were doing it 10 years later than, they, than this EP <laughs> yeah. was recorded, which is the funny thing. Um, I, also, listening to it all, it was just wild to compare... To, this was this was kind of rough to me, and the, they're great musicians, but they're recording it to straight to two track, and that there's there's it's rough around the edges. It's wild to compare it to late at the drive end or even the Mars Volta, like it's worlds apart in terms of of polish. But, but you can see a through line if you follow it all the way. Um, I like uh, the they keep. Uh, I think in both EPs they do a lot of that uh, breakdown to halftime, that old trope, and it's kind of fun. Maybe they relied a little too much on it on the, the these EPs, and I think they did a little, a little less on the LP, which I think was was for the better. Let's see, emptiness is a mule. Um, yeah, emptiness is a mule is is it's a bit long. It it, it com- I guess it's like the whole second half sort of 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 that EP. I wrote down that I couldn't. I could hardly guess at a single lyric of any of, <laughs> uh, of, of this EP. There were a few words I could make, and this is a big theme with At the Drive-In, and I won't harp on it too much because it makes me sound like an. A, I have a lots of thoughts on that later, by the way. Okay. When we get to the album. Now, sometimes, sometimes you can, when you can make out a few, and I, I looked up all the lyrics later, and there's some interesting stuff going on that we'll get into. Um, but yeah, um, I, and I know that it's, it, intention i get the feeling it's intentionally like don't listen to what what i'm shouting necessarily unless unless i want you to hear what i'm shouting and then we're gonna we're gonna drop the instruments out and we're gonna make sure you hear these weird words uh and we'll get to some examples of that i'm sure um just some stand uh, bangers or standout tracks to me gotta go with grand mox yeah um i i remember liking Lud, uh, am I saying it right? Ludvico Drive-In. I think so. I love a, referencing your own band name in your <laughs> in your song title. And I okay, so I, I was wondering, are these are these female backup vocals? And I guess it's from um, women uh, or teenagers he was previously in a band with. Is that correct? This is the fall on deaf ears with uh, Laura Beard and Sarah Riser. So okay. they are in this band with him um, and Cedric drums. And I think in that clip that I had played, it sounds like Cedric's probably in there doing some vocals too on the recording. But uh, yeah, yeah, but yeah, those are his friends from the fall on deaf ears. Okay. That, that I like that. I liked that part. And two, two interesting things to note, the fall on deaf ears makes me think of another song that we're, you probably, 
Do you know what I'm I'm talking about? Uh-huh. Deaf ears. Deaf ears. Yep. Um, and then I liked the irony of when the the female vocals kick in. It's to sing the lyrics like a man. Uh huh. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. I don't know. I enjoyed it. Um, plastic memories I thought was obscene. They say the f word. <laughs> I turned it off immediately. It, <laughs> yeah. Like many, like like most of this, it has some. Really kick-ass drumming. Chet Atkins um, would not and, approve. Right. <laughs> exactly. No, he, he would play the song better, but he would not use the F word. And w- was there a different drummer on these two EPs? Yes, it's uh, Davey Simmons on Plastic Memories. Okay. So this is after the first one on El Paso, Bernie Rinkin. He committed suicide in early 95. Yeah. And that's, man, that is some tragic Ugh. shit, and that sucks. Um, well... Get used to it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, especially after like that that whole that whole thing you played. I, I'm glad you included that thing where they're interviewed about Kurt Cobain and stuff. Right, you know, right after it happened, and I I love that there's there's a connection here. Yeah, uh, you know, from a previous discography we've done. There's a through line. There's a, a yes. There's a there's a, a, there's a cu- thread. Couple points of connection um, mm-hmm. that I've also kind of thought about. So I'm I'm excited to that it kind of connects yeah. to our previous Nirvana pick. Yeah. I, I, I like the idea of everything, all these things being connected somehow. Um, we'll connect it to Heim one way or another. Um, yeah. but plastic memories, just real quick. I, I, it also stood out to me. We all become what we most dislike. Now the, the cliche is to say I've become what I always hated. They don't say hate. They say dislike, which I found very interesting <laughs> and kind of funny. Yeah. And just an interesting, in in a Kurt Cobain way, almost an interesting play on words. And then the, I think the I, I've already forgotten how it goes, but I think the whole EP ends with she fucks. Yeah. <laughs> what yeah. Is he I, I believe you're yeah. correct. Yeah, I think you're <laughs> I, right. I, I like that. Yeah. I like a good F word. It's, <laughs> it's, it's used effectively. I also but there do go. they bring they bring the music back on that they they make you think that they're that they're going to kind of mm. go out on a um, false ending yeah, yeah the, I like the false ending uh, on, on plastic yeah covers. do you have anything else Blake um, I mean it, it, it it's kind of it's kind of rough stuff I don't know that it's stuff that I'm going to re- revisit a, a ton but but you can see a lot of potential I think that's what these are all about sure so while these EPs may not be considered essential at the drive-in i do find them to be very interesting and kind of a snapshot of a small el paso band taking on the u.s punk rock underground scene you know and i feel as if i can immediately relate to the story up to this point and you know as a musician as many of us are who uh, who have played in many local bands and projects i can certainly appreciate the diy nature of these recordings and while I've never toured anywhere near the amount that they have, I've played South by Southwest, Chicago, Minneapolis, Tulsa, Oklahoma City, Lawrence, Kansas City, Joplin, DeKalb, Peoria, mostly Midwest. Uh, I've slept on kitchen floors. I've experienced long van rides, breakdowns, have played to sold out clubs and have played to nobody and have played in basements, VFW, VFW halls and skate parks. Uh, so I definitely know how it feels. And kind of similarly, my band released two EPs before we did a full length, uh, but I hadn't listened to Hell Paso before, so this was my first go around. Huh. And I remember listening to Alfaro maybe once or twice, but I never spent much time or attention on it. But overall, 
I don't think they're essential, but I felt that they were important to mention. I've always wanted to just commit to like being in a band, but unless everyone can make that commitment, it's very difficult. And the point I'm trying to make is that I've I've dipped my toes into these waters and have had but have utmost respect for the relentless work ethic and willingness to take that risk. It's you know not easy. It's hard to get out there and sustain. And I just hear a young, energetic band that is excited about making music, music that's arguably not always the tightest or always in tune, uh, <laughs> but I can easily look past those things and hear a spirited band eager to make their mark. So yeah, I I really enjoyed it. But uh, with all that said, I think maybe we should go ahead and move on to Acrobatic Tenement. So let's move on. Let's do it. In early 96, Flipside Records signs out the drive-in. They are immediately sent out on a tour that will circle them back to L.A. so they can record the album. At this point, the band consists of Cedric and Jim, Adam Amprin on guitar, and Ryan Sawyer on drums. Remember Cedric's old buddy, Omar Rodriguez Lopez from Startled Calf? Well, he gets stranded in Baltimore after all of his bandmates get arrested. Omar begins hitchhiking and selling acid to deadheads to support his growing heroin addiction. He calls on Cedric to help him get back to El Paso and try to get cleaned up. Cedric has a history of drug abuse and several run-ins with the local police that involved Omar, but he obliges and invites him to play bass for At The Drive-In, taking over duties from Kenny Hopper. The album is recorded at Commercial Soundworks in Hollywood, and it was released by L.A. label zine Flipside Records. Acrobatic Tenement gets recorded for a rumored $600, not unlike Nirvana's Bleach. The album was released on February 18, 1997, which the biggest song at the time was Wannabe by the Spice Girls. The album would be reissued by Fearless Records in 2004 and re-released in 2013. Vinyl copies now seem to run over 120 bucks. While we will talk about lineup changes for the next episode, this album would definitely be a stepping stone to an overall transformation for At The Drive-In, especially by the conclusion of the album's touring cycle. All right, so let's get to it. We'll go ahead and start talking about Acrobatic Tenement. If we can go ahead and start with song number one, Starslight. I love the beginning of this song, especially the out of style, out of focus, harem scarum line. I think that's really cool. Mm-hmm. And I also like the, uh, and you keep hugging folklore. I think, uh, I don't know. I think this is a great first track. Uh, the way that Jim and Cedric yell sounds so cool to me. They sound kind of similar, but you can still tell them apart. And I think they just sound really great together. It's a short and sweet song. 
coming out of, of that first chorus back into the verse, that part just bangs. Uh, but I, I really like the first track. Yeah, I, I agree on, on several of those points. Uh, it does not wear out its welcome. It's it's in and out very quick. Uh, by the way, I want to mention this has the most plays of the album on Spotify. So it would seem that this is the most popular track, which usually first tracks kind of are, because I think sometimes people just go, well, what's yeah. this album about? And they listen to the first track. Yeah. So that doesn't necessarily mean it's the best track on the album, but it is seemingly the one that people go back to it's also pretty short so i think that probably helps people you know that just want to quickly get a taste of what the album is like by the way logan Definitely. you mentioned the yelling at the beginning i for a long time till i looked up the lyrics i thought he was just saying yeah 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 <laughs> like it like does yeah, like yeah, yeah 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 <laughs> i was uh, like I what is he saying <laughs> and then i finally looked up oh he's saying sailing all alone <laughs> yeah it does yeah, sound yeah, like yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. um <laughs> Uh, yeah, 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 Ma- Matt already yeah. mentioned this uh, this point of influence, and I th- I think it's it- it's spot on, which is Fugazi. And you know, you mentioned the dual vocal thing, and Matt, I'm probably stealing a little bit from what you were going to say here, but th- it does have an Ian uh, Jim Ward's voice is very Ian MacKay uh, in terms of his delivery. I-, I don't think Cedric does a- the exact same thing that Guy Pichetto does. In Fugazi, um, Cedric kind of does his own thing, but Jim Ward definitely sounds like he's doing an Ian MacKay Fugazi kind of thing. Um, but I do love the way that the, the voices intertwine. And I know I mentioned Slater Kinney. They don't sound like Slater Kinney anymore by this point. Um, that's not a bad thing, by the way. And also, I don't think it's actually an influence because Slater Kinney's first album, I looked it up a second ago, yeah. came out in 1995. So they were basically contemporaries. Um, but by this point, they're definitely doing something different vocally uh, than anyone else was, even though you can kind of find some of the fugaziness of it. Uh, the only other thing I was going to mention was that the clever change of slight change of words has happened uh, with it being called Star Slight instead of Starlight, yeah. which would be sort of the obvious thing. You would think it'd be called Starlight, but no, it's Star Slight. And in fact, I think if you try to Google it, a lot of people have at the drive-in Starlight as the common search term. On uh, that, on Apple Music, it's all one word, Starlight, no spaces. I have yeah. also seen it all one word. Um, they just have trouble with it. <laughs> I, I will say this is a, a yeah. stronger track on the album, one I will definitely come back to. Yeah, this song rules. Um, everything's there right from the beginning. The, the the back and forth vocals, uh, I, and and this is this probably merits a, a larger discussion. But the, are are these guys patient zero for the the Midwest emo scream back and forth? Or I'm surely there's <laughs> th- there's earlier examples of that, but it definitely works well here. Um, uh, I I had the intro spelled out as uh, fella lo la lo, so so I think we were all all hearing uh hearing what we wanted to hear. Yeah, it, it's real short. It's real quick in and out. Um, everything sounds like the rest of the album. You know, uh, the, I think even on a six hundred dollar budget and and um, some interesting guitar choices or, or uh, from what I've read, uh, Jim didn't realize that they were put that they were not putting down scratch tracks. So right. a lot of the a lot of the lack of distortion that that you might yeah. think would be present in music like this isn't here, <laughs> but I think that's kind of one of those 
one of those happy accidents that you get in a studio right. that just really kind of transforms the, the record as, as a whole um, that it's, it's so sparse and you really then all, all that's left for you is just the energy and the intensity uh, of, of what they're doing. So yeah, it really, it really comes out banging and sets the tone. Yeah. Um, before I forget, uh, based on Logan's research, I was joking with Logan I would like to now strongly on the record suggest our next um, release be called the $600 album. (laughs) All right. That's a a real strong suggestion. Okay. Um, Yeah. uh, I wanted to, well, I have a few, I have more questions than I have answers. I put it out here. I want to put it out there to you guys. Is there a single... Because you know more about guitars, is there a single distortion or fuzz pedal to be found on this LP? Or is it just overdrive and, and clean? They've got some distortion in, in some nooks and crannies, but it's it's a very clean guitar sound yeah. all over this record. It, yeah, right. it's probably that Adam Amprin guitar, which we only really know him for playing on this album. So mm-hmm. I'm guessing that his parts are distorted or overdriven, but then, like Matt said, I think Jim's are, I guess, his scratch clean tracks. So yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a very, I yeah, if it's accidental or not, it's a very interesting thing to know about about this. Is that it, I've heard this called post hardcore or whatever. I maybe what separates it from its predecessors is whether it's on purpose or not. They've removed most of the distortion, and you, that, though it is quite noisy, you hear they, those clean tones. They just left the core. <laughs> it's just core. Whoa, what just if core? It's like a core core or core core. Um, so uh, uh, of course we're going to note the vocals. Right, this is a great song as an opener by the way a great song to open with uh, uh, of course we're going to notice the vocals uh they're going to stand out because it's the first thing you hear on the album is 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 singing yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and that leads me to my other big question that i need to get out of the way before i feel real real stupid so it's it, it's two guys uh i love the call and response back and forth style vocals is it Cedric doing the more shouty and Jim Ward doing the more melodic? No, I think Cedric's doing the more melodic and Jim's really? doing the more shouty. Would you guys agree if I'm interpreting Because Jim, Jim does the sailing all alone part. The sailing all alone, doesn't he? That's what I thought. And then That's Cedric's... Jim's voice is deeper. I mean, he is doing very much an Ian MacKay thing. Like, he's got a deeper he's like, kind of voice. But they, Whereas... They sounded similar enough. That yeah. It, it, to me, it, it could have been like Cedric doing overdubs going back and forth with himself. But it, I guess it's it's two guys, which Actually, you know what's cool funny? Uh, Matt mentioned R.E.M., it does kind of remind me of the the Mike Mills Michael Stipe dynamic there because there are several REM songs that you can't tell who is singing what because they are very similar in yeah. their voices and they also have some songs that do a similar like intertwining call and response kind of thing. I mean, I don't know how much REM they they listen to, but it does. There is some REM songs that I could see being a influence on on their vocals the way they work. 
Reminds yeah. me of uh, a certain uh, trio of sisters we may have talked about. Hey, maybe a I, bl- I did find a connection, by the way, and on. I was going to maybe oh, mention you? this later, but uh, Children of Immigrants, because uh, okay. uh, Cedric okay. and Omar, yeah. both are kids of immigrants, and later on, some of the members of At The Drive-In, uh, as I was looking on Wikipedia, are children of, of first-generation immigrants, and uh, so are the Heim sisters. Their, their uh-huh. parents were immigrants, so... Good, There's your connection. Good catch. Excellent. Um, it, I, 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 it shows growth from the EPs. I like that it's a little more melodic than we've heard. It, it For them, it's more of a mid-tempo thing, uh, even though it, it is pretty quick. But as oh. we'll hear, it's not their quickest by far. All right. So track two, Shafino. So this song really grew on me. Would be cool to hear live, I think. It's very raw, and I love those snare rolls that are syncopated with the guitars. Yeah. And I can already tell that Cedric sounds better than he did on the EPs by far. Uh, I just think out the gate, Cedric's really killing it on vocals so far. That's all I really had to say about this one. Yeah, I I likewise don't have a a ton. Um, I do have some comments about lyrics. Uh, I I know, Logan, you're not a uh, a lyrics guy necessarily. Um, You've mentioned that before that you... you... Well, it's not that I'm not a lyrics guy. It's just that I I just don't often focus on them as much as I do the music. They're more of an afterthought Um, for me. I guess I'm I am more of a lyrics because I do tend to kind of want to see what this what they're saying and at the drive-in that can be a challenge. Um, but I'll get more into that later. One word though I did look up. Uh, so I don't know what the title means. Shafino. Um, I don't know if that's like a last name. But when he says the line about omertas, I think I'm saying that right. Omertas, not a prayer on your rosary beads. I looked up omerta. It's an like Italian Italian word for the code of silence. Yes, refusing to give up someone to authority. So I don't know what that has to do with anything on the song. I just thought it was interesting. Um, this one <laughs> did not strike me as much as Starslight did. Uh, it's a little less interesting, I think, than Starslight and also than the next few tracks, which I find more interesting. I do like the bridge when it sort of quiets down and it gets to the and then she and when she knocked me over part. I think that kind of is a nice little build up. Um, but other than that, mm. I didn't find it incredibly. I wasn't incredibly taken by this one um, in any sort of meaningful way. Consider this a Shafino uh, Stan account. Uh, <laughs> they set the ball in motion uh, with with the first track and and really kind of you know picked up the pace and 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 kept firing here. Um, there are there are major chord elements that you just kind of slightly get like major thirds in some of their chords and you know that combined with. Um, the very, you know, kind of very powerful and, and evocative, uh, you know, going one to four. It, it's just very, very bombastic um, in a frantic way, which which I really like. Um, this is this the only uh, record with with Ryan Sawyer? Is it Ryan Sawyer? That's the drummer 
on this record. Yes. Uh, Ryan yes. Sawyer is great. Um, yes. His, his yes. agree. His propulsion. His you know his sense of time. I mean, I, I get. I hear a lot of Steve Shelley. Uh, from Sonic Youth in this, and 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 this song, you know, as a whole, kind of reminds me of kind of cow punk filtered through a a Sonic Youth lens. But but this this really uh, really worked for me. Um, I, I love the breakdown with that just so you know so quiet but but still propulsive snare roll that that carries through. Um, you know, th- th- this one uh, to to be alive. It, it's 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 a song about you know kind of feeling alive. Uh, also got shades of replacements in this, um, uh, namely uh, uh, "Hold My Life." Uh, this is kind of the the, the South Texas hmm. uh, "Hold My Life." Ten years later, Matt. I just to jump in really quick. I, I'm really excited to hear your your takes on uh, a lot of the guitar work on at the drive-ins discography. So uh, uh, I'm really looking forward to that. And I'll be the uh, resident drum take haver as the uh, drum. I have a bass take uh, later. And, <laughs> and my take is uh, I really like the drum parts on this song. I didn't but, mean to downplay your guys's. No, no, you're absolutely all. right. I was just, right. I was just, no, no, no. I always enjoy Matt's guitar perspectives. Matt seems to know things about guitar. So he, <laughs> I don't know what I mean by that. He um, tends I, to know a lick or two. I, I mean, I'm, I'm no Chet yeah. Atkins, but <laughs> I mean, I mean, just tear the neck off the guitar. <laughs> He'll tear the neck off the thing. Um, like Josh, I guess it didn't make a huge impression on me because I didn't have a lot to say other than I really like the drum parts. I like that the tempo picks up and it, it's good for a track two to do that. It, but here it lets us know that they're going to kind of stay in this tempo range a lot. It began to run, things began to run together for me until I got several listens deep and then I differentiated things more. And I think that's just like a genre thing that I've been listening to so much accessible pop. Yes. That, that <laughs> this, this is hard to get into. I, Blake's I brain is melted. This, my, I yeah. really did have a little bit of, a small ulterior motive and i was like oh man <laughs> you're like this is gonna knock him off that pop train yeah you're like blake <laughs> blake needs to listen to music that isn't like top 40 and it, it is it's it's like it's not folks it's not pleasant on the on the ear <laughs> in the like you can tell that they're all so talented but it's at first, if you're not ready for it, it's not pleasant. <laughs> um, and I, I, I'm like, I'm not going to make out a single lyric. I, I want to know if, 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 if the lyrics on Genius are accurate, or if anyone has that because, because there's some weird shit in there. I had the I same, know, oh, yeah. same thought guessing. as well. Yeah, I, I've read some things. I've got yeah. the Genius open now, and I wouldn't be able to tell you if it's accurate or or not, <laughs> yeah. but. Uh, uh, the, the second verse and, begins, walking on tiptoed pickpocket fever, racing up the scales of your thermometer. Well, so maybe this would be a good time for me to bring up my, my take on the lyrics, because I, I, I oh. do have one. Can I bring it up real quick? Here's the thing. I think, and, and actually, once I got this sort of in my head, it, it all kind of clicked. I really think what they're going for is impressionism. Right. So, you know, impressionism as an artistic style is you you don't necessarily pay attention to what the the words are or what the pictures are in a painting. You're looking more at the atmosphere it evokes. 
So I feel like Cedric's lyrics are less about what he's actually saying and more about the mood that they evoke. Themes. Yeah. There's a lot of common themes. It's impressionistic lyrics. Yeah. It's, and, and the thing is, I think that a lot of the lyrics in this early stuff from what I've read is way more accessible than later lyrics. <laughs> yeah. But I think that even those later lyrics, that it's still, it, again, it's if you just hear the words that they're saying and the moods that they're evoking, and I, I think that's a, that's a fair. Fair By the way, it, Josh, that, that, that it's an impressionism, or it's just more of a surrealist approach. That being said, the next song that we're going to talk about is probably the most straightforward lyrically on the record. Like, at least I, I think it is. And that's a good transition. Yes. Ebroglio. I had a friend who died for something he really loved. I had a friend who stood for none of the above. I had a friend whose experience was riddled with scars. Who got drunk one night in the trunk of Louis P's car. I had a friend who'd love to scare you as was his affections and tremble you did because you weren't worthy of his friendship. I had a friend, but now he's stranded on the Mason Street exit and sometimes I'm jealous because I'm still at the intersection. I had a friend whose heart was too heavy to hold yet there's blood on the median like a boat without oars. So I really, really dig the spoken intro. It seems yeah. kind of foreshadowing, obviously, mm-hmm. for the band. The music is really driving and emotive. I love the uh, it's all a facade, but nothing really matters. That's a really big head bobbing part for me. It's almost like a I I thought of it as a sunny day real estate meets Fugazi. And it's been said that this song is about a close friend of the band's uh, Julio Venegas who committed suicide by jumping off an overpass in rush hour traffic. And he was an extreme kind of person, a surreal visual artist. And he was known for shooting up rat poison and free frequently getting lost and Some injured. Iggy pop shit right there. He Yikes. would not only be the inspiration for this song, but he would become the inspiration for the album Deloused in the Comatorium by future Omar Cedric band, the Mars Volta. Oh, wow. Mm. Almost a Sid Barrett character. Exactly. Uh, uh, Sid, And that's a theme that I think Omar and Cedric kind of carry with them is this Piper at the Gates of Dawn kind of love and admiration for Pink Floyd. I think that's probably their favorite type of Pink Floyd is the Sid Barrett era. And they uh, end up covering mm-hmm. uh, Pink Floyd later. Yeah. I Let me tell you uh, two things I'm a sucker for. A grainy recorded spoken intro. Okay? Um, regardless of what they're talking about, it's you got my attention. And the second one is 
um, specific idiosyncratic local references. So like when they're referencing like Mesa street exit and that kind of thing, even though I have no clue what (laughs) that uh, means, it's like world building. You know how it's like sci-fi authors do a lot of world building where you drop these things or, you know, fantasy where you're dropping these elements that you don't necessarily explain, but definitely bring the, the listener or the viewer into your world i feel like that's what those local references do like i don't know what those mean but it makes me start to kind of see the at the drive-in world a little better um that being said this is one of the more straightforward ones lyrically like uh, logan mentioned you know it's it's definitely about a friend of theirs um there are some lyrics in here though that really like the lyric uh there's blood on the median like a boat without oars i just thought was yeah. an amazing lyric now i didn't know the guy committed suicide by jumping um i thought it yep. was a car crash and so i thought the line blood on the median like a boat without oars was a great way of referencing like a driver in a car not existing anymore so the car can't move kind of thing and also i thought this could be put into the camp with Thursday's understanding in a car crash as great second wave emo songs about car crashes, but apparently it's not <laughs> about a car crash. Um, but still there would be blood on the media. That's true. That's true. Um, so I, I did like this one a lot more than I liked Shafino. Um, I don't know if I like it better than Starslight, but it's definitely up there for me on this album. Uh, and Matt, before I throw it to you, well, actually I'll ask you, Matt, as I throw it to you, um, did you catch the lyric in this song that you have stolen? There is a lyric in this song that you have unwittingly stolen for a song of ours of more of that. Matt likes to, Matt says it's all a facade all the time. (laughs) (laughs) I don't, I, I I know you didn't steal it on purpose because you didn't know this song. Did you catch it though? Oh, heart, heart too heavy to hold. Yeah. Yep. Uh, he says he has oh, a friend whose heart is too heavy to too. hold, which you say in the song "The Eyes Have It," uh, one of our songs. You say a heart. When too I came heavy across that, I was like, "Wait, did Matt connections? <laughs> Lift connections. Real connections, folks. Real anyway, talk. Matt. It's yeah. all, and that's why we did it. Uh, real talk on on that lyric for a second. If if I need to be admonished for stealing from anyone. It's uh, stealing from Connor Oberst uh, from <laughs> from Lua. But uh, but anyway, uh, th- this is another great track. Uh, another kind of keeping the energy going. Um, I love the "It's All a Facade" uh, syncopated part. I, I thought somebody was gonna, yeah, uh, you know, w- welcome back to Discographology, the podcast where it's all a facade and nothing really matters. Um, I I have that written <laughs> down in my notebook right here. It's written. <laughs> Um, but had to go with that Bill Lowry. <laughs> yeah, that, uh, w- when I realized what you had done there, that was funny. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. And this is about stand. Well, well, yeah, it's about standing for something, right? You gotta stand for something or you fall for, for anything. anything. But he said, I had a friend who stood for none of the above. Exactly. Uh, See guys, it's all coming it all, together. It all <laughs> Jerry. <laughs> Did you have other? I'm sorry, other I interrupted. Thoughts? Sorry, Matt. go ahead. Before you other thoughts, um, I don't have a lot to say about this. Um, this is kind of the first point where the number and frequency of the tempo transitions kind of takes you out of it a little bit. Um, it's almost there's so much going on that it's hard to hang your hat on, and I think that is probably something that is a. It comes from a live show that's very energetic 
not necessarily transferring over to uh, to record um, in, in a way that's that's as effective, you know, uh, at a gut level. Um, like bleach. Th- there are other, uh, yeah, l- l- like bleach. Um, th- there are other parts, um, you know, further on into the record where where I think this kind of comes back again, but, but this is kind of, you know, the, the first uh, inkling of, of that minor critique that I, that I might have, but, but I really like it. I, I think it's a great track three. It, it, you know, it keeps you in the record. It keeps it going and, and, you know, there's no loss of momentum uh, and uh, nothing really matters. I do love it when a foreboding voice leaves a voicemail for the band that, that leads us directly into um, a song. Uh, I'm I'm really just echoing what everyone's already said. Uh, though I I love I love the manic drumming on this one so much. It's really a showcase for how good Ryan Ryan Sawyer is. Again, it's all facade. It's probably the best part. I think we're in agreement on that. Maybe like a boat without oars that really sticks out. Uh, Ibroglio may be a certified. Well, I won't. I won't use the B word. I don't know if I'm going to use the B word. We'll we'll find out later. I love the hard stop too. Yeah. Just the, yeah. the scream on the go. That, that's uh, it's got all the stuff you want to hear. And and it and as it so happens that that transitions very well into the next track. Mm. Well, see. yeah, I was going to say it. It sounds like you guys are getting initiated <laughs> to <have> the driving <laughs> eyes it's, wide shut style. I've never seen that movie. So, track four. I've had enough drinks to where I'm like pumped for that. <laughs> I just wanted to keep going. Like I love hits, the melody. It's it just, different. it's so smooth. And I've, I've always wondered what this song was about. And I read somewhere that it was alluding to band groupies and sex capades. So maybe, uh, mm. it also is spiritually connected in some way to the cures fire in Cairo off the album, three imaginary boys. Hmm. Yeah. It definitely has that kind of vibe to it. You know, sp- the spelling out of, you know, F I R E I N C A I R O, you know, that kind of, uh, spelling out of, of the song. Um, it definitely has some potential creeper vibes going on. <laughs> like it could all be leading up to some kind of murder. And despite the lyrical content, I think this is a gem of a track. I really dig Omar's bass parts. So this is the first 
album with Omar Rodriguez Lopez, and he's playing bass uh, before he moves to guitar in the future. Uh, but I think Jim and Cedric especially sound really on point on this song. Their screams are just amazing. And I just, and I love at the very end how that kind of the, that slide up at the very end to, you know, fade out. I think that was really cool. Uh, but I think this is a great track. Highly recommend it. Uh, yeah. I, I agree with you on everything but one point, Logan. And I'll, I'll get to that. Before I get to the one point, I disagree with you. But uh, yeah, I love this song. This is probably my favorite song on the album. I'll say that. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean I'm saying it's the banger, but it is my favorite song probably on this album. Um, by the way, this is the one track that there is a version of. There's a BBC version of on the greatest hits. The The station is non-operational. Um, they do yes. this song. So that that is, I think I was probably somewhat familiar with this song because of that, uh, but I, I it never stood out to me before listen, listening to it this time. Uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think of specific things that I really, I mean, I like everything on this song. The only thing I disagree with you on Logan and the thing I don't like is I don't like that ending. I just, I don't know why I feel like it's lackluster. Like it's such the a, sl- the slide up. Yeah. I don't know. It's just such a great song. And then it just feels like it just sort of peters out like that. They didn't have like a, I ending don't know in, in mind. I don't know. I think there's other songs on the album that peter out more than uh, <laughs> I, maybe, this song. I just feel like, and, and maybe this is cliche, there's a part of me that's like, maybe it should have been a fade out. I don't know. It just, it felt like it just sort of stopped. Um, maybe it's also because I just liked it so much that I was like, keep going. And then it just sort of ends, yeah. you know? But yeah, also the the clever lyrics are at play here with the uh, John Hancock with the safety off uh, line. Uh, yeah. Right. Yeah. But uh, I, I don't know. Right. Um uh, any- <laughs> uh so yeah that was I, I can't say uh, anything else necessarily about it that would explain why it's as good as I think it is it just it is the bass sounds great uh even though I'm not really a fan of the bass tone on this album overall um it sounds great here I think uh yeah so Matt this is another kind of um s- straightforward number for them I think it works very well it's you know very prototypical Midwest emo. It's kind of got the two dueling guitars that, that almost invoke like, um, I don't think the American football record would be out for another couple of years. And I I went Mm. looking to see if they were, um, if they were doing any interesting tunings or anything. And, um, at least the, the quick internet search that I have, uh, turned up here is that they're, they're in standard, uh, it's in D, but, um, the vocals work great together. And, kind of mirroring how those vocals work together, this song in particular, the two kind of intertwined guitar parts really kind of set that, that um, not somber, but just, you know, kind of somewhat foreboding uh, mood for the song. Um, and this is one that I think could have in, you know, if, if they went power ballad on it, uh, for lack of a better word, and had a big, you know, noisy distorted chorus it would it would almost kind of lose some of the effectiveness of uh of just it being so sparse but but very very haunting this song more than any of them and i don't know if it's uh cedric um just kind of doing a falsetto on the on the spell out or if it's uh uh girl backup vocals but it sounds very much like it could be off of uh modest mouse's debut you know that's got kind of that 
asymmetric jangly guitar um the the drumming i think as well you know i mentioned uh steve shelley before uh jeremiah green is also and they were contemporaries of course but um in that same kind of keeping time but but propulsive uh and almost melodic style to the drums i i just it, it really works here yeah i listened to this one a bunch i would put it up in the top tier of songs i think it stuck with me um I like that. So this is the first point at the album where things get down tempo. It's things start to get pretty. Things haven't been melodic and pretty that get, much so far. Getting sexy. It's getting, they're turning the lights down low and they're putting on the red light and we're getting a little bit sexy with it. No, I don't find it sexy, but I do find it pretty and, and nice to listen to in, in a way I can't totally articulate. Um, I find it interesting that the song begins with, uh, uh, quietly spelling the word initiation, and then the refrain is uh, well, one of them is yelling the spelling of initiation, while the other one is yelling just the word initiation. And while I do not think that would work in a pop song chorus whatsoever, I think somehow, against all odds, that that bizarre choice does work here. Uh, it's also not guess, a short word to spell <laughs> you know it's not a no and it's it's an odd number it's like an odd number of uh, of letters uh it's, it's weird to kind of like but uh cedric is very good at sort of spilling all these syllables out in 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 rapid fire succession um but yeah i dig it so communication drive-in So I think this is a decent garage rocker. Uh, Fill the warehouse or basement up with some punkers and, you know, just get it going. Uh, It seems to have this almost post-hardcore meets sing-along anthemic punk that bounces along. I find the line, in the thickness of the van, to be kind of humorous. (laughs) Yeah, agree. I also really, really like the, the line, sink, swim, drown together. I think that really showcases, you know, a band that's really out there, them against the world. Um, Could this be about how the band communicates with each other? I know that Cedric has talked about using a device called a dialer, and this was a black box that you could hold up to a phone or maybe like pay phones to make free calls. Oh, yeah. He was a phone freaker? Yeah. Sometimes promoters would offer these or like a meal for the band. And they'd always pick the dialers or the freaker to call home or call ahead. Uh, so they always picked that instead of the meal. Uh, but I guess that was kind of a thing in the 90s. Wow. And that kind of r- led me down a rabbit hole is like, are freakers one of the things that led to the end of like pay phones? But anyway, uh, I, I, I thought that was kind of interesting. But I, I feel like this song is about touring. 
I just feel like that's kind of the vibe I'm getting. And we also have another song where you've got another theme of communication and you see the word drive in again. You're starting to kind of hear these words that are kind of reoccurring in in their themes. Uh, you can edit this out if you want to, but I, I do a side note. My brother used to do that phone freaking shit, and he actually got one time called back <laughs> on a payphone, and they told him they were gonna send the cops out, uh, to like oh arrest him, uh, because you know it was a crime uh, to do that. But it's anyway, early version of hacking. Yeah, one of the earliest yeah. ways to hack. Uh, Captain Crunch. Uh, that's a whole other thing. Well, they. They mention coll- collect calls in the song, mm. I think, in the lyrics. And so that's, that's what kind of tipped me off. I'm like, oh, maybe that's what he was talking about when he was talking about those dialers. Uh, yeah. I honestly don't have a, a lot to say. I also really dug the sink, swim, drown together ending. Um, but this was the first track on this album that I was very, like, just sort of meh on. Um, I, I, I wasn't huge on Shafino, but I think Shafino is a better song than this one. I don't know. This one just didn't do anything for me. Um, I don't know what the phrase, I see five holes in your flag means. Uh, Logan, did you have an interpretation mm. for that one regarding? I I didn't know if that was referencing like bullet holes in a flag or Five members like of that. a band? Are there five people or in the band? Or five members. There's five members in the band. And I know that later a lot, of, you know, because they come from a lot of different cultural backgrounds and uh their flags are often hung from their amplifiers in in the future not not all those band members are there yet yeah but uh that makes sense so that could be i think it could be a thing about communicate how the band communicates together how they tour and live in a van and how that works Mm -hmm. uh, how they get a hold of their family or call ahead how they make this thing happen because if they didn't do some of these things, I don't think they'd be able to have to have made it. Yeah, but I, yeah, I don't have much to say. Uh, Matt, do you have much to say on communication driving? Well, it's funny that that we're kind of hitting on these themes of, of touring, and you know, we we've, we've talked about how this band, you know, kind of sounds like bands that we would hear at shows. And this song more than anything, just sounds to me like the old blue room at billiards. And that was, I, we may have mentioned, <laughs> mentioned this before, uh, but just, you know, a, a storied, uh, venue, uh, here in, in Springfield. Oh, that, yeah. Um, you know, we've played dozens of times and, and hosted some, some decent sized acts, uh, coming, coming through. Uh, but just, you know, the the bravado of the uh the leave me alone uh vocals you know it's 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 a very energetic song and and um and definitely something that you know it, it sounds like a song that you would go out and, and hear a band play uh you know in this era um i, I really like the uh, i'm drinking slovenly line <laughs> I, I, yes that just yes that just makes me smile um but yeah, I I think this is this is a a fine workman, uh, you know, punk song um, about being out on tour. Um, you know, I, I don't think it's as good as some of the other ones that that we've that we've heard uh, before before this. But um, I, I'm I'm with it. I, I'll I'll swing <laughs> sink swim drown together. Yeah, is do you think the title is is a play on communication breakdown? Could be. Yeah. That's that's the first thing I thought when I, I was like, sure. oh, they're kind of doing a play on Led Zeppelin and their own name, maybe. I don't yeah, know. That's a good point. I do like that they continue to, to add uh, the phrase drive in. Uh, but 
kind of along the lines of what Josh was saying that this one is, is another one that begins to kind of blend in with the other uh, similar tempo songs on the record. It didn't stand out terribly other than the ride cymbal work on the drums was awesome. I thought I was like, damn, do you hear all that? Like, yeah. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, like, yeah. I wish, I wish I could play that kind of shit. Love those. Oh, he's a good drummer. Things. He's a good drummer. Yeah. I mean, he goes crazy on the ride throughout the album, but they, that's my biggest take home from that one. He ends up getting fired. I think <laughs> just like, uh, just shit. like what Jeremiah Green the, or, well, or maybe yeah. Else. Well, what was the Nirvana drummer that got fired or did he quit? I can't a lot of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Man, poor Chad. He wasn't fired. Never he mind. makes a good good living off of appearances and documentaries about Nirvana. <laughs> I don't know. That's that's probably mean to say. <laughs> he does, <laughs> like he seems no, like a he seems accurate. like a nice guy in every interview I've seen. So that brings us to our next track, Skips on the Record. So I f- fear for this song's safety in our <laughs> skip it segment <laughs> due to its name alone. It's asking for it, it's bro. It's asking for it. The opening guitar part may not help its chances either. I think I read that Jim, and we've talked about this, but I noted that we've Jim Ward's guitar takes are all clean on the album because they were maybe intended as scratch tracks. This song seems pretty undercooked and kind of snoozeworthy compared to the energy of the other songs, in my opinion. It's more like at the drive-thru or <laughs> at the open mic night. Jim's screams towards the end, those are pretty good, but the guitars sound a little pitchy to me. Uh, I I like the guitar bends. The little rapid chord change part is kind of cool. The dun 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 just sounds like a, I don't know, it just kind of sounds like a beginning band dicking around with a mediocre chord (laughs) change that they'd practice for like three hours. (laughs) I... It's just lyrically all over the place. I I just imagine them hanging out in like a lot of parking lots. I don't know. So uh, <laughs> I'm sure they did. Uh, it's interesting you mentioned lyrics. This has a, a lyric I had to pull out here. Uh, quote: "Dipped in the secretion of your syphilis flirtation." <laughs> yep. What the? That's a Cobain lyric. What the fuck does it mean? It seems like this song's about pregnancy. There's lots of pregnancy kind of references or birth uh, references, umbilical cords and such, but I, I have no clue what it's yep. about. 
I I agree, Logan. My the one redeeming thing when I went back over this album and was thinking of songs to skip, this one did come up on my possible skip it's. Um I will I will tip my hand a little bit and say I did not choose this one, and the reason is it had a redeeming quality, and that redeeming quality is that little bendy guitar part. Um, I, I, I liked the way that just sort of hangs there. And actually, Matt, I do. Like I didn't that. notice it until you brought it up, but it is kind of modest mousy. It is a little Isaac Brockish, uh, that bendy guitar part. Um, I don't know what it is. It does give me some modest mouse vibes. But other than that, not too much I found on this one uh, extremely memorable. It, it's good. Um, it, it feels to me like an assembly of song parts, all of which are pretty good and have potential, but you know, Logan, you, you use the word undercooked. Um, I think that's probably applicable here. Um, each, each part I like, but d- doesn't really come together, uh, you know, as, as a full piece. Um, I, I do like the, the line, uh, umbilical agendas in the coup d'etat, uh, just with, with, with the <laughs> rhythm that, that they deliver it. Um, is good uh but yeah the, the guitars are pretty wonky um you know uh, it's it's definitely uh in, in uh my wife and i've been watching a lot of a uh, british baking program and uh <laughs> same we, we we would be talking talking to to uh to the judges now about how how we're worried about them going home for the week uh on on this song i think <laughs> they're not star baker N- not not star baker on on this one um while this is this is no banger, uh, I don't feel the need to be as mean to it as Logan was. I I'm not a guitar player, but I I found the the different guitar tone at the beginning um, kind of kind of interesting. I wasn't terribly turned off by it. I was like, okay, that's different. We haven't heard this from them yet. I it kind of starts a a, a trend uh, of of many songs where it's it's kind of like. Soft, quiet guitar intro, uh, loud, fast rest of the song. And that that wears out its welcome a little bit, but we'll get to it. it this one has a, a little bit of a gentler feel overall. But yeah, I'm, I'm not necessarily writing home about it. Uh, the the, the lyric-wise, lyric first of all, I think Josh's interpretation is correct in the, the lyrical impressionism. I think that's good. Uh, but with stuff like, I mean, they're talking about Mao Zedong, um, hey, yeah, stu- st- stuff that's gonna st- dipped in the secretion is gonna stick with me, and with, with saying stuff like dipped in the secretion and umbilical agendas, it's like slow down, you're you're about to uh, name the next Mars Volta album <laughs> with a title <laughs> like that, but you can see where that. I mean, there's clearly a through line in. in lyrical uh, uh themes these yeah these bizarre uh uh operating room mm-hmm. uh, there, there is a, uh, a cobain technology aspect. yeah meets and communication being meets, being deloused in, in, yeah in the comatorium just uh, which my wife called deloused in the crematorium the other night which i thought was kind of funny it's about um, ice cream <laughs> I mean, a crematorium is a different thing, but yeah, you could. I know, I know, I know. You know. All right, but that's all I got. Skips on the record. What? What can you do? Well, you know what doesn't wear out its welcome, and that's uh, paid vacation time. 
cool intro. I'll say that. Cool intro. But it takes a second to figure out what song Cedric is singing to. But then it fits really <laughs> it fits really well once you kind of figure out what he's doing. It's just kind of like at first kind of disorienting until you figure out like, oh, uh, uh, okay, I see what he's doing. More pitchy, jangly guitars that are kind of off-putting to me a little bit. It gets a little jazz odyssey in parts, but I'm kind of dig, <laughs> kind of digging the experimentation and a little bit of the jerkiness. The lyrics are fun and bizarre. I'm a truant officer. <laughs> I like the chorus. <laughs> I think it would it would fare better with cleaner production and execution. I think they could probably perform it a little bit better, maybe. Uh, 146 though that that time stamp 146 that part is straight fire though uh this is a peculiar deep cut for sure i'm i'm kind of having difficulty committing to an opinion on it i kind of like it um the more and more i listen to it again i wonder if it's about touring and van life and that va- that van becomes your home, you know. And they had a 1981 Econoline van that was probably a road warrior. And no telling all the shit that went down in there. <laughs> it was thick. It was thick in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't know if anyone else saw this when you went to look at the lyrics on Genius. But this is one of the only songs i think on this album that actually has an annotation yeah on genius I saw it, Josh. and it's uh it's a post and it seems accurate uh someone yeah. linked to a postcard uh that is an advertisement for a coffin that is the coffin they reference in the lyrics and it, it the coffin advertisement is actually all the warmth wood can give mm. so maybe bel air colonial kind of deluxe number five the coffin to the van logan and touring life being interesting like you're in a coffin that just is on wheels interesting um so it's funny you say jazz odyssey because here's the reference i got on this one the influence jim morrison when it gets into that like jazzy improvisation yeah. stuff improvisation sounding at least and cedric is sort of doing a spoken word poetry thing it is super doors yeah gonna Um, ride the snake now i don't think that i don't know if that would be a reference for them because you know the doors have this weird thing where i think like sometimes they're considered okay uh to be abandoned like to to look up to and then other times they're like very uncool so i don't know if they would be like the doors are a cool band but i I have a hard time thinking Cedric didn't listen to a little bit of The Doors Oh yeah, um, when it came to some of his vocal stuff. Sure. So I don't know. That was what I got. Other than that, I don't really have too much to say. Uh, didn't really love this one. Sort of forgettable, I think, in a lot of ways. I will say that uh, this is the one that made me think, does At The Drive-In have vocal melodies? Like, just try to map out a melody <laughs> in some of the lyrics, and it's very difficult like, I don't really know if there's a specific melody Cedric is ever following. He just sort of seems to be doing his own thing most of the time. Uh, um, and sometimes it works, and sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> you think th- there's a melody there, a vocal melody? Well, not maybe so much in that song, but I do think vocal melody at the drive-in vocal melodies exist. Uh, I think they just are maybe a little bit more unique to pick out, I guess. I don't know. You yeah. just kind of have to. J- J- Jim Ward is definitely the anchor. Like when it comes to the vocal melody stuff, like 
he seems to be the the anchor of the the hook sometimes and yeah. and Cedric kind of at least at this juncture of the band right. that could be different I think down that's the a line good, um that's a good point uh I I'm, I'm right there with you guys the I listened to the song three or four times uh over the course of the past you know probably week week and a half and the note that I have down is Tank full of fuel, um, you know, which is it's just very, very Fugazi cadence. Um, and that's really the only thing that that kind of stuck with me for, from this song. Um, so, you know, it, it's it's another fine um, offering from from the boys, but um, don't really have a lot. Didn't didn't have enough going on uh, for me to to latch on to anything at the video store. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, me, it meanders around, uh, in the, the, the experimental section where he's just kind of re- re- repeating the, the model number of, of, of a coffin over and over. Um, but I'm a little surprised at y'all. I feel like this might have one of the best and catchiest choruses of the album. Um, and I love where Logan chose to, to, um, fade it into the drop. There. Yeah. When he goes into, and all those friends you thought you had, I love that chorus. Yes. I think that part smacks. That, that Even if the, the rest of the song may not fall in line so well, that part really does. And it answers Josh's question. He doesn't often do vocals that are so melodic. Here he does. That, there's definitely a melody there. You're talking about 146, those, right? You know that's, is that is that that's what, what you, I think of the, the part I'm talking about is friends. the 146 part. Like that part is okay. straight fire like i think that's the same part yeah, you're talking all those about friends you thought you yeah had. And all those yeah I yeah, think yeah, so. yeah 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 the, yeah the vocals the vocals become melodic in a rare exception yes. and I, I i dig it i just i just that stands out to me all right we are now moving on to the end towards the end or the later part of the album let's go on to ticklish I think this is a solid track. I think Cedric's vocals are on point, and I think that there is a little bit of a melody to be found there in kind of those choruses. I think not so much in the verses. Uh, bring a sense of urgency and soul to the music. I think Omar's bass sounds are pretty kicking. I I heard Josh say that he wasn't really a yeah. big fan of the the bass sounds, but I thought 
I thought Omar's bass sounded pretty pretty kick ass here. Uh, I wish that the guitars had some more effect on them and weren't so dry and clean sounding. Because here, like the I think could benefit from some like a little bit of delay and distortion, or you know, sound a, a little bit more spacey. I think they could sound really great. Uh, yet some could argue that the clean sound is kind of refreshing, and I think Matt argued that earlier. Uh, just a little too jangly for my taste. What were you gonna say, Matt? I was just going to say, I will not be making that argument here. <laughs> okay. Uh, interesting that he says, and all my little pushes fall on your deaf ears. Um, that made me kind of wonder if that's a reference toward his other band, The Fall on Deaf Ears, with yeah. uh, Laura Beard and Sarah Riser. Yeah, so this is one that uh, when that intro kicked in, I was like, okay, we're we're picking back up here. Because I would say that guitar intro, the two guitar parts together, is probably my favorite thing on this record outside of the song Initiation. Like, I just love the way the two guitars sound at the very beginning of this song. Um, the only criticism I have is this is too long. This song is way too long. It's like... Agree, it's, hard agree. You can How long is a it? a minute off of this... It's four minutes and 35 seconds. It's the longest well, song on the album. Y'all are being um, spoiled with these two-minute songs. Any other song. <laughs> y'all are getting two-minute well, songs. They spoiled like, us. That, that being said, I do like this song, and I feel like it picks it after. Like, there's sort of a mid-album lull. I feel like the first few tracks are great, and yeah. then in the middle, it kind of just bottoms kinda, out a little bit. And this right. is where it starts to kind of come back up. I just think they could have probably shaved a minute off of this song, and it would be better um i like the shouting the the deaf ears kind of shouting that they do that's really good and uh i don't think you mentioned this we got our first f curse isn't this the first song do we? he says the f word the f void any of the others the f void he says the he says I, the f curse uh, the, the bad one I, um and he I and he uses it in a very effective way when he's doing the something so and so fuck so and so and so and so like i don't know i think it actually is a pretty effective uh use of the the old the old f curse don't let your kids hear uh, that but yeah that's <laughs> yeah um, edited version yeah uh so th- that's uh that's my thoughts on on ticklish uh josh you mentioned the the guitar intro yeah it, it's first rate uh some of the best guitar work on, on the record um at least in terms of, of kind of given that 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 clean um airy feel this song i think had the potential to not surpass the sum of its individual components, but I, I think it does. Um, the, the deaf ears screams are, are, are really great. Um, but, uh, I, I also like the, uh, the, the, please get some medication simple. It's simple to get. Um, that's, I think that's, that's a, a great vocal melody that, that they're showing off there. Um, it is way too long. Uh, that, that is uh, a note that I had down that, um, it's luxuriating uh, in its length that, uh, that that may lead to diminishing returns, but um, but it's a solid track. Definitely, kind of a a picking the pace back up from that uh, that that mid album lull that, that that you mentioned, Josh. Would you mind terribly if I played um, a few seconds of the um, intro to refresh myself and let the listener in on what we're talking sure. about? Yeah, get it in there.
yeah, this is this is one of the best examples of this um, quieter guitar intro thing that they do. But I I do think they lay on that that dynamic that trope a, a, a few too many times on the album. It happens several songs in a row here. It's something that stuck out to me. Um, while the, I I'll echo that, yeah, the song goes on too long. It it it's kind of all over the place um there there are just so many so many lyrics jam-packed in which is not not a bad thing but yeah he he could have he could have cut some out with that being said um the i don't know if you'd consider it the chorus um the part the med part about the medication how did it go please get some medication simple it's simple to get yes okay get some medication when that falls into place i uh, i'll you to use logan's phrase i think it is straight fire i i may not be all that into the rest of the song but uh when that part kicks in and that kind of like um that unique drum beat that sounds like it could be something off of if you polish it up a little bit it could be something off of uh, a chorus from mars volta's debut record like uh I, I really love the sound of that, and you definitely see how that carries through to their later stuff. Um, it it sticks out to me, and it really it really tickled me that <laughs> that that part it tickled about you about the medication. Nice. I liked it. Well, I'm yeah. glad that you guys didn't put the uh, the toe tag on there completely, but if you did, maybe it was a blue tag. <laughs> Which brings us to our next song. I'm in a Kind of a pretty opening. Uh, I think the verses are really helped with Cedric's vocals. I think the the pre-chorus is pretty cool. It's probably an underrated track, I'm guessing. I think it really elevates towards the end of the song. And I, I think this really showcases uh, Ryan Sawyer's drums. I think he's just a really great drummer, especially for this track. I think it's probably another good track to see live at the time it was probably great to see at a small club or, you know, someone's house. There's lots of energy here. So I, th- I, I, I definitely think there's things to enjoy. Yeah, I, I agree. This is another one that I kind of was, when I was going through, I was like, okay, is this a skip it? But I was like, nope, it's got some redeeming things that that intro guitar part is good. It's, it's similar to the ticklish guitar intro. I don't think it's as good as the ticklish guitar intro, although I do like Cedric whisper singing 12 hard years in the background over that. Um, I think the vocals though, I, I actually like the drum stuff on this one. I think it's pretty interesting. This is the worst. I think the bass sounds though. <laughs> I was talking about my, my dislike mm. of the bass tone on this album. I think this is the one where the bass tone really stands out as just being too, I don't know, uh, farty. Is that the is that the I, sound? I can agree yeah, with that. Just, yeah, it, it it's just not a great farty. bass tone. Um, and I, it's probably nothing that Omar did. It's just 
for whatever reason. Yeah, it's the production. It just doesn't sound great. Um, I think this is the least polished they sound on this album so far, uh, especially once the the rhythm section kind of kicks in, although I do think the drums are, are intriguing. Um, and then a clever turn of phrase that I appreciated in this one was the interchanging of currency and current scene. I thought that was kind of yeah. interesting. Mm. How he goes back and forth between currency and current scene. Um, but those are my thoughts on Blue Tag. Got a Blue Tag here. Uh, I, I like this one. Um, I, I didn't have a lot of notes down, but I, I was happy to to kind of hear uh, hear the playback as a refresher because I really like the chorus. Um, you know, it, it's it's another one of those. Uh, it's got more major uh, chord. Uh, uh, little bits yeah. in there so it, it, it's it's another fun peppy uh upbeat energetic song um you know that that uh hasn't really planted you know wedged its way uh in, into my into my subconscious yet but but i like listening to it and i like hearing it back the the chorus here re- really uh really stands out you know i can i can i can see being at a show especially where it gets to that high note and just you know everybody in the crowd kind of uh kind of really feeling it on this one yeah i had i had similar thoughts it was refreshing and and catchy to hear the the ascending major chords on that chorus part um other than that i i it's back to uh what i what i called like the standard at the drive-in bpm kind of back to that that tempo it begins to blend together with with other songs a bit um Except for that chorus, which makes it stand out. The song I feel has has really good energy. It has that going for it. I like I like that, and you know, throughout it's also energetic. I like that about it. The quiet guitar intro uh, is 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 here, of course. Uh, but I think after this, it, that that kind of goes away, and more interesting things start to happen. But yeah, I didn't I didn't have much else on on the on blue tag. All right, coating of arms. There's quite a bit of energy here, admirably, uh, but not a lot else for me. Not a big fan of this track musically. However, the lyrics are pretty interesting. We're chewing on a on the good year. It sounds like their tires are getting bald on tour. So <laughs> uh, I'm sure that's probably a big expense to think about, especially when you're not making that much money. And let's do our William Tell routine is something to speculate on. Putting mm-hmm. yourself out there 
with the very real possibility of failure. We lost the friends to the pavement. Yeah, to the pavement. Is that another reference to Julio Venegas? Damn. I don't know. Like I said, not a huge fan of the song, but interesting lyrics. Now, Logan, I'm surprised you didn't mention the lyric, incoherent gording. I don't know what it means <laughs> yeah. to have incoherent gording going on. I don't know if it's like shunting from society, but uh, incoherent <laughs> gording. Shunning? Sh- shunting from society. Um, the main thing, uh, so a couple things. This has the least amount of plays on Spotify, so this is clearly the one people go to the least. Uh, I do appreciate Shocking. the back and forth vocals <laughs> on this. Uh, I think they do it yeah. better on Starslight than they do on this one. And it ends with a guitar intertwining thing that I think is cool, similar to the beginning of Ticklish and Blue Tag. The main thing I wanted to point out, and this is the clip I cut. If you loop the first couple seconds of this, I'm almost positive that Taking Back Sunday, a a, a later band that... I think would be influenced by at the drive-in kind of ripped it off for the beginning of their song. There's no I in team. So Blake, do you have that, the ATDI versus TBS oh. thing I made? I looped I the beginning of this and then put the taking back Sunday one after it. Am I totally uh, off on that? Do you see that's a similarity a, that's there? A reach. There's reaching Logan, similarities. similarities. Okay. Uh, I don't know if it was a conscious thing. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, that could, maybe. I doubt. I, I think easily, probably someone could come up with that, thinking that they they wrote it themselves, like me. <laughs> I would probably come up with something like, <laughs> "Oh yeah, I wrote this," and then it's like it sounds like that coincidentally. Yeah. But uh, quite possibly, I could see them. Yeah. I could see where you're saying about them being influenced by him though i'm sure they were yeah anyway i got nothing else to say about it uh matt yeah this is this is kind of kind of middling um the phrase uh well let's do our william tell routine (laughs) that's a phenomenal lyric um you know and and just possibly on this uh, just on the strength of that lyric alone um, you know kind of holds the rest of uh of of this track together but Logan, you mentioned there's a lot of energy. There's it's it's an omnidirectional energy. You know, there everything's kind of going on all at once in a lot of different directions, and uh, especially at this point on the record, um, it's uh, you've you've had you know you've had this kind of um, frenetic pace going uh, going for you know however it's been uh, thirty minutes or so. It, it's it's kind of hard to walk away from this track. Uh, carrying anything with you other than that great um, let's do our William Tell routine lyric yeah a a a rare one of the one of the few examples where you can very clearly hear what they're saying and they they do uh, get a lot of mileage out of it Um, the the song didn't blow me away or anything but things that did stand out I appreciated that they changed up the intro formula and it kind of gets to the vocals pretty quick there um I like that. What I also thought was really interesting was instead of the quiet guitars up front, they put it on the outro and they have, instead of a a studio fade out effect, they do a natural fade out. The volume of the guitars just kind of get slows down, relaxes quieter and quieter until the song fades away. I kind of thought that was uh, cool. And and it's the only example of that, I think on the album. 
I had a, I did a little note to self, um, possible electronica project band name, William Tell subroutine. That's <laughs> <laughs> just to use for later. Don't steal that though. TM, TM. All right. Well, we are rounding out to our final track of the album, Porfirio Diaz. Opening chord progression is hot garbage. Probably <laughs> by design or aesthetic. Much like we're proud to be assholes. They are surely proud of stinking up my ear holes with that atonal out of tune thing. But after the rich kids part, it definitely improves and lands better for me. I feel that it also ends a little too early. We were talking about, you know, petering out a little too early or earlier. Uh, Rich kids of the world unite is a pretty intense part. Uh, We're proud to be pricks. Mm -hmm. We're proud to be assholes picking up the pieces one by one at the drive-in. Don't really seem like anything was given to them. I wonder if it's commentary on how hard they had to work to get to this point, or if it's really about, General Porfirio Diaz, the seven-term president of uh, Mexico. The song gets Mm. intense at the end and really is building towards something heavy at the end, but it just kind of peters out. But I think it's an interesting track nonetheless. Yeah, I agree with pretty much everything you just said. I, I dig the pause and then the rich kids of the world, rich kids, or rich kids of the world unite, reach rich kids of the, and then it kicks in. And that core, I'm glad you picked that clip to play because that chord progression yeah. after picking up it's the awesome. pieces one by one is really good. Um, yeah. yeah, so that, that was the most interesting parts of it I, I found. Uh, I liked this tune. Um, I, I, I hadn't checked the lyrics before, uh, and I was hearing it as rich kids on their wedding night, <laughs> which which definitely gives it a different vibe. Um, and and that that vocal delivery uh, very much, you know, it, it kind of has a Brandon Flowers flavor to it, um, hmm. you know, just just it. Uh, to, to a certain extent, and, and and maybe maybe it's the image of the rich kids on the wedding night that kind of assists in um, in co- conveying that. Um, yeah, th- this one's intense. Uh, it, it's a good uh, album closer, I think. I, I like the picking up the pieces one by one. Uh, I don't know if you would call that the chorus uh, or, or not. Um, you know, again, by the time you get 
to this point, you're, uh, you've, you've had quite an experience. Uh, so I, I think just any track that you're going to put, you know, towards the end of your album is, is going to, it's going to have that weight to, to carry or, or to, to kind of work against that, that it's the same tempo range and, and kind of the same, not bag of tricks, but the same, you know, elements that, that the band will use to kind of, you know, in, invoke their feeling. I think it works here, but, um, you know, but we've, we've heard all of these things before uh, earlier on the record and, and maybe better, but I, I, I think this is a fine track. Well, I feel sorry for tracks one through 10 because this song making them look bad. <laughs> this song is, this song is that. Uh, so the meme where the man is with his girlfriend, he's, he's, he's <laughs> with his girlfriend, which is the rest of the album. He's looking back and, and the, the other lady is labeled Porfirio Diaz. <laughs> I thought this was great. I don't know. I guess I was on maybe a little different wavelength than you guys, but just the way it, it it bangs right out of the gate with all this angry energy, the audacity of the lyrics, kiss and kill your boyfriend. We're proud to be pricks, proud to be assholes. And yeah, God, if I don't love rich kids of the world unite, (laughs) right? It's just the beginning Um, that those chords at the beginning are so, (laughs) that's it. I guess. Yeah. I I think I was too preoccupied with the line "rich kids of the world to uh, unite" to to maybe notice that. But it's like, is this is this a play on shoplifters of the world unite, which is a play on whatever that's playing on? Um, and then I love the way it switches to six eight and picking up the pieces one by one. Yeah, um, I'm really getting a, a you know speaking of of two singers who scream back and forth at each other, blood brothers vibes when he gets real high on the oh, nice. picking up the pieces, that part. And then one by one, I couldn't get enough of that. I didn't Love know you're, which is, I didn't know you're a blood brother. I, I don't know if I am a blood brother, but I liked him enough that I, I did see them um once in like 2005 or so. That's rad. There was a time when I was into that. So how far I've come that I, (laughs) I was 2005. My jam was blood brothers in 2020. I'm all about that, that T swift. So (laughs) yeah, my, my, my tastes have changed a bit, but I do remember it. And it, it, it made me, I had a sense memory of, of blood brothers here. I dig on this one though. You know, what can I say? Uh, Nice. We've listened to a lot of albums that kind of end on a whimper, and I I feel like they in I think they intentionally wanted to do a save the best for last type of thing on this album. Very cool. All right, so we have made it to the the end of the album. Well done, guys. Uh, let's go ahead and Woo. just kind of talk about uh, our general thoughts and our our percentages and whatnot. I'll start by saying I think Acrobatic Tenement is a great first record by a young, energetic band that had a you know DIY ethics and an unbreakable will. Is it my favorite album of theirs? No. But I'm content that this is part of their history and roots. A great Polaroid of the time. Not quite at the drive-in yet. Still at the drive-thru. But they're getting there. Uh, I liked 9 out of the 11 tracks 
landing me at 82% or four out of five 1981 Econoline vans. I'm a little less um, generous, I think, than you are, Logan. I, I, I didn't like this one quite that much. Um, I kind of had to go through and think to myself, okay, what is genuinely the number of songs I will go back to later? You know, like if I'm not, if I'm sitting down to listen to the whole album, I actually think I would listen to it all the way through and maybe only skip a, a couple things here or there. But if I'm wanting to just go back and hit on a few songs, I really only liked about five, I would say, out of the 11, which is a 45%, which I felt was kind of low. But then I thought, okay, it's I'm going to round up a little bit. It's basically 2.5 out of five holes in your flag. That was mine. That was going to be mine. That's, <laughs> that, that's the one. Five, five holes in your flag, that's yeah. the metric. So 2.5 for me. Uh. I liked this record. Um, like I said, I, I had uh, little to no uh, previous experience with uh, at the drive-in. Um, you know, it was it was an interesting record to listen to, um, which I tend to you know, if if you're keeping my interest, I'm going to grade you on a uh, on a on a better curve than if you're you're boring me and they and they definitely didn't bore me. Um, you know, the thing that gets me is that they were what 20 when they made this. And, you know, Mm. for, for being that young, I I think this, uh, definitely has the, the roots of, of sophistication and, and, um, you know, holds up as an artistic document. I'm going to give it, uh, three Econoline vans and they're, they're towing an equipment trailer, so, uh, so we'll, we'll call it uh, th- three full Econoline vans plus one equipment trailer flying a flag <laughs> with, with five holes. <laughs> Good grief. Not broken uh, into. <laughs> um, yeah. So we've been doing, we've been doing groups who were kind of like had great debuts right out of the gate. And as, as Logan put it so well in his intro found success right away. This was not that, so this was a little bit more difficult, more difficult for me to get into, and that's that's a matter of taste and the mood that you're in, and and the genre you're seeking, as as I discussed before. You know, it's my palette, my trash palette. Um, although I feel maybe this is tailor tailor made for a certain kind of of trash palette, but that I'm I'm mixing my metaphors too much. Um, a lot of it was enjoyable, but also a lot of it was not pleasant some of it was like going to the doctor i don't i don't know what to to compare it to um all these maybe it's it's (laughs) it was more fun than the doctor but all their all their surgical no 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 i think that all their surgical and 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 biological uh metaphors and lyrics uh put put the idea in my head i wonder i would be curious to know how this would would land on the ears of someone who did not play in bands in the mid aughts. Uh, you know, cause yeah. I, I feel like everybody, you know, all four of us just coming from the background that we did are, are kind of primed to already have this kind of, we're already going to be, you know, primed to like this just, just kind of because that was the milieu that, that, that we were in when we were, you know, developing, you know, or, or kind of, um, 
getting you know getting more sophisticated with, with our own tastes so i i would be curious if like you know what the average 20 year old would would think of this record not having grown up you know with all that midwest emo and and you know all of the stuff that that was going on with it they might be just completely perplexed or or maybe they'd like it more i have no idea how they would react honestly but it, it, it kind of forced me to try to get back in touch with my roots in this kind of music, which long ago I was I was more into it. Um, but but Logan's correct. It is it is the the genesis of, of a band that is growing and getting incrementally better. Um, so to make a long story short, I'm giving it uh, so they have a boat and I'm giving it their boat. Two point two and a half oars. Oh, jeez! <laughs> dark. Uh, no, I don't. No, no disrespect <laughs> to the to the the subject matter. I was gonna do holes in your flag, and Josh stole that one. That's so the, I had to the, do boats and oars. That's what I get for being first, I guess, in, in the in the order here. But but they're well on their way to three oars. Let's say that. All right. All right. Well, if you can cue us up so to should- our our banger. All right. So I think my banger for this one has to be, uh, this was tough. I'm going to say initiation. Mm. I thought about going with that. That's definitely my, I wrote my favorite track is probably initiation. I feel like the banger is star slight though. That's, that's mine. Mm. Uh, That is my, that is my banger as well. Um, You know, just rings in the album. Uh, you know, with with everything that that you'd want. Uh, my banger got to be the final track, Porfirio Diaz. It, it I I did want to point out that we're in a whole new territory now. B- banger, I guess, means a different thing since there are clearly no radio hits, no traditional bangers. But that one goes the hardest to me. Uh, okay, so should we move on to? Don't sleep on Ibroglio. Mm. I think that song kicks ass. It really almost was my banger. I, I I think that's it's obviously the source material means a lot to to him, and I th- I think that says something right there. Don't sleep on ticklish. Even though I said it could be about a minute shorter, I still think that uh, <laughs> it kind of falls in this place later on in the album where it's a little lackluster overall, uh, kind of, you know, you get past initiation, which is really good. Um, and Ticklish just I can get kind of lost in there, but I think it's it's great. Ticklish was was a contender for me. Um, I don't think I want to skip Sh- uh, Shafino. I'm I'm surprised that it wasn't more uh more loved and maybe maybe i'm i'm always to uh no sleep sleep, sleep don't on. sleep excuse me we don't sleep on scafino shafino gotcha yeah gotcha. <laughs> i was confused yeah okay. do do not skip uh shafino um <laughs> i was a little surprised that that uh it, it didn't it didn't get more love you know it, it's it's the second track so not likely to to skip but uh just in the spirit of uh don't don't sleep on it. Um, I'm representing here for uh, Shafino. I want to say, as a side note, as an honorable mention, I want to call Abroglio banger number two. However, in the spirit of a sleeper track, I don't want you to sleep on initiation. 
it it's got the vibe and the feel of a, of a sleeper track that that creeps up on you, and I dig it. Now let's um, okay skip some things. Skip it, skip it. What's it gonna be? Well, don't say I, it. Don't say I, it. I gotta. I gotta. I gotta. I, it manifested itself. It is definitely <laughs> skips on the record. It just didn't have a chance <laughs> with me. With a name like that, and as soon as I heard the opening and everything, I was just like, "Ugh, I'm skipping this one." I I thought about that, Logan. It's ultimately for me redeemed by the bindi guitar part. I think the one track on here that is not redeemable by anything and is not memorable is "Paid Vacation Time." Ouch! Yeah, yeah. I I have down uh, "Paid Vacation Time" as well. It's it's pretty close for me between uh, "Paid Vacation" and um, and "Coating of Arms." But I, I, I think paid vacation would be the one that if I was over, going through and would skip. Oh, over Ouchie. coating of arms. Oh, ouch. <laughs> it's killing me. Um, I think it would be skips on the record because it's just too easy. But that song is saved by the line dipped in the secretion of your syphilis flirtation. It saved it from the trash bin. Uh, this I'm having a really hard time choosing one to skip. Even though it's not an album I love, each thing has a, re- a redeeming quality to me. So I, uh, I think I'm gonna have to say communication drive-in. Even though I'll miss that fancy symbol work. All right. So what are we gonna cover? We are gonna. I'm gonna cover Starlight. I think that song rules, and that's something that yeah, I. Yeah, I can... yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd be yaw, pumped yaw, about yaw, playing Starlight. It's like Randy from South Park. Lord, 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 Yeah, 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 yeah. What is yeah, the yeah, song yeah. he Lord, sings? Lord, Lord. It's like we're gonna have a Sunday. <laughs> what is the song Sunday. he sings? Lord, Lord, Lord. <laughs> um. For me, I went with Initiation. I, I just think it has the most dynamic range. Although I started thinking about it, I was like, who's going to be screaming the I-N-I-T-I, like the spelling out? <laughs> but Initiation, yeah. I don't know. Uh, Hard some, to somebody off. else could do that one, but I went with Initiation. I think uh, I think I want to get tickled. Let's, uh, let's cover Ticklish. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> tickle the Come old ivory. Baby, tickle me. <laughs> Um, I'm also gonna go stars light. Nice. <laughs> stars light. That yeah, it's just it's the right tempo, the right groove, and the back and forth um call and response vocals, du- dueling vocals would just be too good to pass up for a cover. All right. Well, let's do some plugs before we sign off here. Our band is More of That, and we can be found on all major streaming platforms or at moreofthat.bandcamp.com. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram. Uh, excuse me, on Twitter. You can follow us on Instagram as well, but I can't tell you how to get there. Uh, you can follow <laughs> us on Twitter at DiscographPod and at More of That Band. And you can follow me at MIT54321. I am Edward James Almost. You can find us on Instagram at More of That Presents. 
And you can email us at moreofthatband at gmail.com. You can find myself on Logan Williams Music on YouTube. And you can also find more of that on YouTube and Facebook. And you should check out other podcasts on our network, the Aux Audio Network. That's A-U-X. You know what? I should create some socials and maybe even a, a, a easy domain name for that. But that's some point in the future. Check out the Ox Audio Network of podcasts. It's good stuff. Once again, thank you for listening, liking, downloading, subscribing, sharing, reviewing, following, and supporting. This has been another episode of More of That Presents Discographology, the podcast where we pick up the pieces one by one. And as always, don't forget to listen to music. But if he ever breaks your heart If the teardrop ever starts I'll be there before the next Teardrop falls Si te quiere De verdad Y te da Felicidad Te deseo Lo más bueno Para los dos Pero si Llorar. A mí me puedes hablar y estaré contigo cuando triste estás.